This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. for a touchdown! Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill! Taysom TD! Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome Inside Black and Gold, Saints fans. Steve Geller here along with Jeff Nowak. Happy New Year, Houdat. Our first edition of the 2024 campaign. And, well, at least we're starting things off on a high note. Black and gold getting a 23-13 win in Tampa. And it's all even Stevens in the division right now with the Bucs. Eight and eight. And here we go. And heading into the one last regular season game with everything on the line. Just how you drew it up. <laughs> exactly how we all, all pictured it right. this season to go. Um, you know, good for DA at everything working against him. Toughest schedule in the NFL. Oh, that's not right. That's not right. Uh, <laughs> People will start booing us right away. Boo. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You know, I, I give I give people crap for booing. But the, the Bucks, you know, like I, I, I do kind of feel like I probably overreacted to the booing early in the season because that Bucks team had won four games in a row. <laughs> They're in control of the division. Even with a loss in that game, their fans were booing in the second quarter. After a punt. <laughs> so I guess it's not just it's not just the Superdome. You know, I, I do like I was thinking like, man, it seems like more coaches than usual. Like fam like every time I go on Twitter and I find a tweet from another fan base, it's like like I saw a tweet about Todd Bowles that was like you could just have placed Dennis Allen's name in put instead of Todd Bowles, and it would have I feel like I saw that exact tweet a week ago about the Saints. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is it is weird. So we're, we're going to do our normal uh, what worked, what didn't work. In this first segment, we'll do what did work. Second segment, we'll do what didn't work. For once, the what did work segment is going to be the long segment. Hooray! And Because the, the only things that really didn't work in that game were, you know, health and, you know, a couple big plays toward the end. But um, it was, you know, I, I had people were asked, okay, you know, was this the most complete game? And I said, like, I think, I mean, if you're trying to come up with things that didn't go well, it's like, it's hard. Like, it took me a while uh, just to come up with three like concrete things that you can say, well, this sucked. So that's nice. I feel like I've been waiting all season for, for that game. And I take it. It did happen in new England. Something right. about playing outside, you know, wild, right? I mean, Everyone talks about oh, the playing a dome, right? Like they, they're better in a dome. So when you send them outside, they're not going to play well. Well, the last two games, Outside were the Patriots and the Bucks, 
and they have won those games, what, 57 to 13? <laughs> they uh, went seven quarters without allowing a point. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying the Saints should consider like a like a timeshare in like Pensacola or something, <laughs> you know, maybe play a couple games there a season because it seems like anytime they enter Florida, <laughs> they dominate. You know, even the game, like the Saints – are five and one over their last six games in Tampa, which is crazy on its face. But then you consider the game they lost was a game they led 16 to three with three minutes to go. Right. So they dominated that game and it was like a crazy comeback. So like, even like that's the loss, <laughs> you know? So I understand why, why Bucks fans are probably kind of annoyed because even in the season where they feel like, Oh, we finally got something here. That's not Tom Brady. And they're, they're just like, well, this this is familiar. Yeah, the the Buccaneers faithful there. They got uh, uh, upset real quick, and then they were they were saying even during the broadcast that fans were leaving pretty early. They were booing the decision to run on second down. Like that was like I, I don't know if I've ever heard like you've heard boos, but it was it, it was wild. That, like just the decision to run which is like they were running the ball pretty well on the previous drive. <laughs> and then it was like they they were booing that they weren't throwing every it was it was something. It also was not full, which I was blown away by. It's New There's Year's so much Eve. On the line, right? It's New Year's Eve. They have a chance to clinch the division and you look in the upper deck and there are just patches of empty seats. And so I don't want to hear it from Bucks fans. I don't. I really don't. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Go beat the Panthers, win the division. Don't talk to me because that 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 atmosphere was I don't know, embarrassing. Um, but that's that's for another time. So we're going to talk about what did work here. Final segment. We're going to get into the playoff scenarios because there are some. And then I also went through and I want to I want to talk about press box food and which which is the best and which is the worst because I now been to ten different stadiums. <laughs> I can definitively say that uh, one stadium is by far the worst. Um, but yeah, so Steve, before we get so what 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 was your kind of read on the game? What what did you see on the TV? Because uh, it just felt like like it was like where has this team been all season, right? Yeah, and I, I was one really surprised on how lackluster the Buccaneers came out, and it they seemed to have you know the the no life, the nothing to play for. It, it didn't look like the, they were ready for the game, and yeah, the Saints was hell of impressive, obviously coming out right off the bat, that opening drive, a long, you know, concentrated drive down the field that resulted in seven points. And First obviously we, had, yeah, yeah. we hadn't seen that till, till the preseason game number one where we were all kind of excited of, oh, this is what Derek Carr could be. And we just never saw it until then. And, yeah, I was really impressed with the way the defense also showed up, obviously, with the takeaways, but also uh, their ability to – uh, control the, the Buccaneers run game really didn't do much at, at all. And they took that facet away from them, making them one dimensional. Um, even Lou Headley, uh, I thought had a great day getting those punts uh, ins- inside the, no, you're shaking your head. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, I, I, go, ahead, go ahead. No, I was just impressed, obviously pinning them. Um, and I know, uh, I think you even tweeted out, uh, said the, the Saints season record for punts inside the 20 this season for all the crap he's gotten good for him. Yeah, we can just skip ahead because, you know, I think the rookie specialists, like midseason, everyone, cut the punter, cut the kicker. Everyone, right. I mean, I think both of them, you look, if you're going to look back at these rookie seasons for these guys, and you're going to 
say, I think they were okay. Like they were, they were actually pretty good. You know, like for, for rookies, you're going to have struggles. You're going to have stretches where things don't go well. And they did. And, you know, Lou's came early in the season, right? Lou had his struggles in the first few games. There was inconsistency. The legs never going to blow you away, but he's precise and he can, and he can do so many different things. You watch him in warm. I, I, I urge anyone who's there to watch him punt in warmups and watch how many different punts he can kick. And mm. you, you know, like the, the whole, the point of his game is not 60 yard field flipping punts. The point of his game is, and is it's not going to look guys deep, right. And to eliminate returns. And that's what he's done. And you know, she, yeah, he's probably punted way more times than this. He should have this season, but that's not on him. All he can do is kick the punts. And I think the second half of his season has been really good. Blake groupie, you know, he had a really rough stretch, right? We all we all were there for it. You know, he started really well. He he actually won NFC uh the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week, and then he had a really rough stretch. He's missed two very short kicks, right? But you've seen a guy settle in, you know, he had a really nice game against Atlanta dealing with an injury. He hasn't really kicked that much over the last several games, but those three kicks today were big. Or yesterday were big. And so, you know, I think both of those guys deserve a lot of credit. He tied Will Lutz's rookie record with 28 made field goals. And so, and so those too. guys are going to be back next year. Like people, I've heard, seen people say like, oh, they need to find a new punter and a kicker. No, you, you're not going to sit through the rookie struggles for guys and then say, yeah, start over next year. No, like you, exactly. You just went through that to break them in. Right. And so like, no, you're going to, you're going to look at these seasons and say they weren't perfect, but you went through some rookie struggles. You came out the other side and you feel pretty good about it in my opinion. So I, I like that. That was not my top thing. That, that worked, but I think that there's like 17 things on this list. <laughs> um, you know, another guy we can, uh, we'll talk about quickly was Jonathan Abram. He started because Jordan Howden was sick early in the week. Unreal, right. As a rookie, yeah, as a rookie missing practice is more significant than say a veteran, like if Tyron missed a practice with something, he probably would have played, but they decided to go with Jordan, Jonathan Abram. He forced a fumble on a, when it looked like the Bucks were about to steal some momentum in that game. He had a big interception like again in a situation like that. So so good on him. Um, I just think every so many things went right in this game. Yeah, it was it was really mind-boggling going, where the freak has this team been? Yeah, and I will toot my own horn slightly because in my pregame column, my things to watch column, I was like, I had a section and the title of it was the Jawan Johnson game. Question You got mark. it, brother. You got it. And I just had a feeling that this was going to be a game where Jawan might have an impact. And, you know, just the way the Bucks like to play, they like to send a lot of pressure. He's going to have, is the, he's going to be able to make plays. He just has to make them. And he did. I think I projected like seven catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. It ended up being eight catches, 90 yards in the touchdown. He was one long come. touchdown. And he had chances. I mean, he had 12 targets. So it could have been a bigger day. But, you know, I, I just, you know, for I, the frustrating thing with Jawan has not only been that he has struggled. It's been that we weren't, I don't think that we were, the guy we saw in the preseason was a mirage. Hmm. I think that that guy has been there and we just haven't seen it. And it's a lot more frustrating to know it's there and to not get it than to just be like, well, he just doesn't have it. Right. And, you know, the, Dennis Allen, like, we'll talk a bit about this. Like, he's been quote unquote challenging people. That's been the term. I don't know what entirely that means, but, you know, uh, he's just, you know, he, he called Juwan out after that Lions game. He said, you've got to be better. Right. And, and that's not easy. Like, and since that point, he's caught three t touchdowns in three consecutive games. Right. You know, he's played a lot better. 
you've seen a guy that has just, you know, been that big play weapon that you, you kind of need in the middle of the field because the saints don't have big bodied wide receivers. They have very slight of build wide receivers. So they can't really be the contested catch guy. They can make contested catches, but like you saw Chris Olave, he tried to, I'm sorry, it was Rashid Jaheed that Derek Carr tried to hit on the slant in that game. And it was just like, that's just like, I love Rashid. He's never going to be that, okay, just box a guy out and make a catch guy. It's just not his game. So you need a guy like that. And that's what Juwan did. And he's healthy now. He did, he did deal with a shoulder injury in that game. He heard it on one of the first plays. And yeah. then, you know, I almost wonder if it, he dislocated it slightly. Uh, like it, Because the way he was holding it after he got up from that touchdown was like limp or, okay. you know, stiff. So... But no, good for him, you know, because it, it's like he's a. I love Jawan. Like Jawan, it's 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 one of those things where it's like you want you you like him, so you want him to play well, and you're like, is it is it just because I like him as a person that I think he's better than he is? It's like no, there's talent there. That catch, that somersault catch, yes, was was incredible. Uh, he actually he told me after the game that he learned that move from Chris Godwin when they were teammates at Penn State. That's funny. Yeah, and and it's like a, it's a nifty little thing because like when you run like you saw like Trey Palmer probably wishes he knew how to do that. <laughs> yes, he should have been <laughs> hanging out with Godwin more. Right, because when you're losing your like Chris Olave could say the same thing because Chris Olave had the same fumble. Yeah, uh, you know, and that like what that little that little duck and roll thing it just allows you to secure the ball and not have it kind of get scraped on the ground and come out because it's the same situation and it, and it looks really cool. So I don't know. Maybe Trey should get with Chris and 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 Chris Godwin and and try. Maybe maybe Trey and Chris should get with Chris Godwin and Jawan and learn how to do somersaults because that's not how you want to fumble. No, that and that was definitely a huge point of the game because obviously a huge chunk play that the Tampa Bay was you know was able to pull off and it seemed like a, it, it was weird how it seemed. Like roles were flipped in this game. All of a sudden, the Bucks were doing Saints-like things, and I was like, "Wow, okay, that that seems like something that would happen to New Orleans." And Tampa just coughed that ball up, giving it away. That was awesome. This game felt like a shot-for-shot shot remake of that Week Two game last year. It really did. But <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll talk more about the big play stuff in the in the what didn't work segment because that was you know that final stretch. Uh, if Trey doesn't fumble there, you know it gets dicey. It's a little dicey, right? Um, because the time on the clock and the timeouts, but you know, uh, the, the, the biggest thing to me, the, the one, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that stood out, but Alante Taylor, we talked to oh, about man, Alante right? Taylor a lot this week. And I just thought like the game he had that interception, you know, I was pretty, I, I got a really good look at it. It was pretty close to where I was standing on the sideline and like halfway through the play, you could uh, kind of see like that. Because Alante was in good good coverage, but I think Trey Palmer is the kind of guy who just one on one, kind of like Rashid, where it's one on one. He's that he's that fast that he'll just throw it up to him because you think he can go make a play. But Alante was in great coverage, and you could kind of see like halfway through, he was he his eyes lit up because he was like, oh, he actually threw it, <laughs> you know, and he just undercut it perfectly because he knew he was going to be able to get there, and it was just kind of cool. But you know, for a guy who got benched. That's a big moment. And I, I we talked to Tyron about that and a few other things after the game. Um, and so here's here's that interview. 
you know, Alante obviously has gone through a lot last yeah. week in terms of getting benched and kind of coming back. Yeah. What do you think of his performance? Today? Man, I'm proud of him, right? And, you know, you see you see some young guys, right, they come in the league and they have all the time in the world, right? And then they hit a rough spot and then they never able to kind of get themselves out of it. Um, so obviously, you know, things have not gone always good for him this season, but, um, you know, he's responded well. You know, I think, you know, being benched, you know, on a nationally televised game, like, that could kind of hurt the ego sometimes, right? And, um, you know, to see him come back to work, be one of the first ones in the building, first one in the meeting room, like, you knew he was serious about this week. And so it's cool to see him, like, reap those benefits, right? Because we do all we could do sometimes, and, you know, we don't make no plays, right? And so it's kind of cool to, to do all you can do and make plays. So I'm cool. I'm cool. Uh, I'm happy for him. Is that, you know, I feel like that's something that people don't talk about is the kind of mentality of how you're approaching. But is that kind of what you need? Everyone's talented in the NFL. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what sets apart players that, that get better over time as opposed to guys who just kind of play? Yeah, man, listen, man. I think when, when a team calls your number or they call your phone, right, like we all made it, right? And so, um, you know, some guys can get complacent in that. You know, some of us have really good rookie seasons, um, and, you know, we kind of take our foot, you know, off the gas pedal. So I, I think the most important thing is to, like, continue to challenge yourself and motivate yourself because I think only you know what motivates you and what can, what can challenge you to, to, to be better. And so, um, you know, I think between, you know, Abe and, you know, Tay and Debo and Ike, like, all those guys took on that challenge today, um, and, they, and they played well for us. Monty kind of talked about how the DBs in the secondary kind of put this game on. Like, yeah. I mean, we had a meeting last night, and, um, you know, Coach asked me to say a few words. And, um, you know, obviously, I think anytime you get in the season and, you know, you have injuries, um, obviously, we're not at full speed. We're not at full strength in the back end. Uh, but we still have enough talent in our room to kind of go out there and, and play well and do well. And so, um, you know, I just told the DBs, like, I know there's, like, 60 other dudes on this team, but, like, every game that we've played well on the back end, we've won those games. And the games that we, we've lost, like, we've played bad on the back end. So, um, you know, that was really just a challenge that I put on them and a responsibility. And, I mean, it's a lot because it's a team game, right? And so uh, but I think all those guys heard me. None of them were asleep, you know. So and I think it kind of – I think they went to sleep with that on their mind, you know, last night. So it's, it's cool to see to see it all, you know, kind of come to light. Yeah, I question is kind of in the simple vein one thing is to speak the message, but to hear him take it and respond on the field, it's just got yeah. a good feel, not just you, but the, all the veterans on the team. I mean, it's cool. You know, I think, you know, right after the meeting, all of them was like running up to me like, like, man, we needed that, right? And so maybe I need to do a more job of having those, you know, heart-to-heart, right? Like, um, challenging those guys. Um, so, but yeah, man, like, I'm proud of them. You know, obviously, it, it doesn't always go your way. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the way you respond sometimes could could kind of trump, you know, a lot of the things that, you know, you've been through. So, uh I'm proud of that, mostly. Is that kind of a, is that normally how it goes in terms of having a meeting and they have to stand up, or is that something that's different this week? Well, I think this week, man, like, we knew we needed this game, right? And so, um, you know, I think the coaches were, you know, they were out of words, right? And I think they wanted to hear what we had to say, right, what I had to say. And so, um, you know, I hope I delivered the right message. I know I did because I think those guys came out here and played, you know, really good. But, um, yeah, man, I think that's part of being a leader. That's part of being a good unit, too, like challenging each other, you know, making it hard for each other. And so, uh, yeah, it was good to see them respond well. One of the things about Tyron that I don't think every like a lot of people take into account, and but it's very apparent 
when when you're in the locker room and I think it's very important is the leadership element of like yeah it's like people are like well well Tyron's older he's not the player he was five six years ago maybe not but he's still a very good safety he's still a top end safety and I think like what he brings to that room is so valuable and you kind of heard it there like like the d- defensive backs are kind of rallying around that he, he like he's the one who called them out this week right and and they delivered and you know, I, I just think, you know, he like one of the reasons I really, really like Tyron on this team is you kind of heard it right there. Like he's a lot, he means a lot more to this group than just, you know, eight tackles and, you know, a couple interceptions. You know what I mean? Like it's, he, he makes a difference um, in the locker room, in the meeting room, you know, on game days. So, you know, I, I thought that was kind of cool to hear. No, yeah. When Tyron talks, everybody's listening. Um, he's he's someone that these guys obviously grew up watching. There's mad respect for the Honey Badger, what he was able to do at LSU, obviously, and then going into you know the NFL, producing there as well with all the different teams. Every everybody looks up to Tyron, and yeah, I agree. He's much more than just a player for this team. He's that that guy that everyone looks up to. They want to be that. Ple- he, they want to please him you know like kind of thing it's like you you know it's it's similar to me of um like uh oh who was the linebacker Quan alexander he was like that juice hype up kind of guy and i just feel like tyron matthew has that same quality about him where where players just want to be um um, in his good favor kind of thing and it's like look look what i did tyron you know kind of deal and to to make him happy makes the rest of the team happy and yeah that that was huge. I mean, obviously, I want I want Tyron giving talks all the time to this squad. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think I, I don't know if I'd put him and Quan in the same conversation, <laughs> but uh, you know, like in terms of being a like hyping people up and yeah, you know, getting guys excited, sure. <laughs> but no, I, I I agree with you. I agree with you, and uh, like, and you can like that in that sentence. We're not just making that up. Like, like you, that's that's very apparent based on conversations you'll have with like Alante. Like he's the type of guy you walk into. It's like, Holy shit. I'm teammates with Tyron Matthew, you know, like they, <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, like, I look up to Tyron. Right. Um, but you know, even though he's shorter than me, um, <laughs> but yeah, no. So I, I think the second, and I think he brings up a good point there. Like in the games that the saints have struggled this year, in, in a lot of cases, it's been because the, the defensive secondary hasn't made plays, not necessarily, gave up a ton of passing yards. This is a team that is up toward the top of the league in terms of passing defense, but they've made plays on the ball, right? They've taken it away. They've got, they've, they've tackled in space, right? Alante Taylor, one of the plays that probably won't get talked about is, you know, they, they had Mike Evans on a screen and he had some yardage in front of him and Alante just kind of bumped out, made a clean tackle in the space. And Mike Evans is a big dude. That's not easy to do. He breaks tackles like that all the time. Um, and so I just think they made plays. And the other thing you brought up that, that helps that group a lot is when you can stop the run on first and second down. And that was one of the big things that the saints didn't do in that week four matchup. And the Bucks didn't run for a ton of yards, but they got positive gains on first and right. second down. So they ended up in third and four, third and six, the Bucks lived in third and long in this game. And that allowed you to get Zach Bond on the field. He got a sack. He had a couple quarterback pressures. It allowed you to just, it allowed you to, to, to slim down what you had to worry about on defense. Right. 
Um, you know, you don't have to worry about these screenplays close to the line of scrimmage, right? Like you don't have to, you can, you can, when you have third and 10 or longer, you have a huge advantage in the secondary and the secondary held up. So good for them. Good for Alante. Good for Tyron. Good for that whole group. Uh, Ike had a good game. You know, it's funny because you heard it in that, in that uh, clip, there's a lot of nicknames in the, in the secondary. It seems like everyone has a nickname, like all the way to the coach because they call him M Rob. And then, so you have Ty for Tyron, you have Ike for Isaac Yadam, you have Tay for Alante Taylor. They actually call Adebo Debo. They just lose the A and add an E and they call him Debo. Uh, he called Jonathan Abram Abe. So uh, yeah, anyway, uh, I, I was very impressed with that group for sure. Yeah, that, that was definitely awesome to see. And um, it was huge bounce back for everyone as a whole, obviously after that Rams outing. And man, you, you mentioned it, like what a way for Alante Taylor to come back and respond from being benched. Yeah. Bam, your first NFL interception, which was long freaking overdue. We know he had that one call back a year ago. Yeah, sure was, sure was. And, you know, I think a lot, I think one thing that gets underestimated in this conversation too is that 10 days of rest valuable right (laughs) two of the two of the saints best games this season have come after 10 days of rest it was in indianapolis and it was at tampa bay right wow and two of their worst games in terms of how they've started have been on short rest and so i think one thing that you know like that rams game was always going to be tough i projected it as a as a loss in my projections early in the season for that reason because four days rest is already tough enough and you have to go across country and i think one thing that this game underscored was that this coaching staff did not handle that short week particularly well. The players didn't handle that short week particularly well. And they're not alone. Like, it's a difficult thing to do. But I think when you go back to watch that Rams game, you saw a team that wasn't ready to play. Right. And But you you go to this game and you're like, okay, well, they, they took advantage of the extra rest and they looked like the team that was ready and the Bucks didn't. So... You have that. You know, I thought the offensive line had a really solid day. You know, obviously Cam Irving had to take over for Landon Young. And that was but, hell of impressive too, yeah, after dealing yeah. with injuries. Obviously, no Ram check was available for this game. He's on injured reserve. And that was a thing to worry when you see about all these Tampa pass rushers from the rookie uh, and Yaya and, and guys like Vita Vey. It was like, oh, crap. Carr's going to be running for his life in this matchup. And they did a hell of a job. Yeah, well, you know, the the pass protection was one thing. You know, the one sack they gave up was really on Derek because he should have thrown the ball away and instead he stepped out of bounds. I, you know, the pass protection was good. I don't think it was perfect. I think the Saints have been doing a lot of things to help mitigate pass rush and they handled it well. Let's Don't get me wrong. But what I was more impressed with was the push they had in the run game, particularly late in the game when you needed to just ice the clock. Right. And uh, two other guys who I think had, you know, pretty solid days, Jamal Williams, you know, he got stoned a few times, but late in the game when you needed to pick up some positive yards on the ground, he was able to, he was able to find some space. Um, and I, so I think the, the offensive line was able to generate some push in the run game. And yeah. by doing that, it makes life so much easier on Derek Carr. And like in the first half, Alvin had 45 yards on 10 carries. Like he was having success uh, before he went out with that injury. Um, so good on them. Hopefully Landon's not out too long with the with the knee injury. But the last the the last guy I wanna I wanna I wanna highlight, and he literally had one carry. He had one carry in that game, but I, it was a big carry. Right, and it's Adam Prentice. He he had one carry 
but it was for seven yards on third and seven and it helped them ice. And like, I think it was the, the next, I think he got a first down and that forced the bucks to burn two of their timeouts. Right. And, and it's also, if you go back to that week four loss to the bucks, that was the last time Adam Prentice touched a ball. They handed it to him at the goal line and he fumbled right at, at their own goal line at their one. And he fumbled. And that it came right after Isaac Yadam had an interception that looked like it was like, okay, this is going to be a 7-3 game at halftime. Well, no, Adam Prentice fumbles and he's going at 14-3. to He has not touched the ball since then. He's gone to IR. He's gone to the practice squad. He's back. They needed him in that game because they only had one tailback in Jamal Williams after Alvin went out. And, you know, it was that's a big moment for him. Like, fullbacks don't get a lot of chances. There's not a lot of redemption opportunities. And it's just like, don't screw up. And and, and he not only didn't screw up, he ran the ball for seven yards, got a first down. So good for Adam. Yeah, that's no a great one, point. That, that's another redemption, like you just mentioned right there. Yeah. We had Alante Taylor bouncing back, and, and, and Adam Prentice obviously needed that too. And it came against the same team, right? It was very, it was kismet. Uh, yeah. So, so good for him. You know, it's like no one's going to be talking about Adam Prentice and his one carry for seven <laughs> yards. But, you know, for him personally, I assure you that was a big moment. And uh, Derek talked about it too. I asked him and it was just like, he, he was kind of, because that play would typically go to Alvin, right? And and he turns around and hands him the ball. And he's like, oh shit, Adam. <laughs> because it's just like, that's just not who you would typically be running that play for. Like he was in the game because Alvin was not. And Kendra Miller was also inactive. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. Anyone else you want to, you want to mention? Little shout out to to Taysom Hill. Nice grab on yeah. his touchdown reception. Uh, it was impressive to see him uh, doing that. Uh, just because we haven't seen a lot of it. No, you don't. You don't see Taysom catch uh, sideline like fades like very right. often, right? Or whatever that was. I'd have to go back and look what the actual route was. But yeah, he made a nice play on the ball. It was a dime throw too. Yes. Like we can mention that Derek. I don't. You know, I think he played better in the first half than the second half. But that was a di- like. Go back and watch that throw. He's like. He's got pressure in his face. He's on his back foot. <laughs> he just puts it on the money. You know, I think he's played pretty well over the last month and a half, two months. Um, Derek uh, Dennis Da said that he thinks he's healthy now, which is a factor, right? He's been he was dealing with that shoulder injury for much of the season. I don't I don't know how how much that's affecting it, but you know, I think you have seen him play pretty well. The Rams game, nothing went well. <laughs> no. um, so. Yeah, like that's that was never going to be a good game. The Panthers take away a lot, right? But you know the Saints have been much better in the red zone. They've they've run the ball in the red zone. They were one for two in this game. I think they did get stopped. Of their last thirteen red zone trips, they've scored eleven touchdowns. All eleven of those scores have come in goal to go situations, right? So like that's been that's been a an important part of, of finding success is not only getting into the red zone, but getting closer, right? First and 10 from the 15, you don't have to score from there. You can get a first down. And I think that's where we've seen the saints kind of adjust their strategy of you don't have to throw it in from the 20. You just have to get it there. (laughs) Right. And so they've run the ball more effectively. They've gotten the ball to Juwan Johnson. They've gotten the ball to Jimmy Graham. You know, I just think the approach has has improved. And so you've got to give the offense credit for that. You know, obviously things haven't gone perfectly this year, but I do think you've seen an offense improve as the season has gone on. So take it for what it is. 
there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm not, I told you before we came on here, I am taking full advantage of not talking about the off season this week because we don't have to, there's meaningful football left to play. So I'm going to talk about the football. That's what I'm going to talk about. And next week, if they, you know, if things don't go right, then we can talk about the off season because the off season will be here. Maybe we can sway some of the, you know, Dennis Allen haters that are hoping the team loses so he gets fired back to rooting for the team to win because I think it's pretty obvious, folks, they are not going to get rid of DA after this season, no matter what happens at the end. I just told you I'm not talking about the offseason. <laughs> Sticking to it. There you but go. no, I mean, I, 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 I tweeted this yesterday, and I just, I think sports is about the, the ride. Right. Just take the ride. <laughs> if you get too caught up in like, well, what it doesn't matter. They're going to lose in the playoffs. It doesn't matter. There's no way the Panthers beat the Bucks. whatever. It's like, if that's the case, then, then that'll be the case. What's the point of getting pissed off about it when it's not even here? Like, I don't know. You got one week of football. It's meaningful, right? You're going to, it's going to be exciting to watch, right? Yeah. Just do it. I mean, like the, the, the complaints will be here when you have, there's going to be plenty of time. Trust me to complain, to say, fire this guy, fire that guy. Oh, the draft sucks. The draft, you know, pick draft this guy. Well, why didn't you draft that guy instead of this guy? We will, that's, that's going to be here. Don't worry. It's not going anywhere, but you do have a week. Like, like I just think enjoy what we have left. Well, I mean, like, in there, you're going into week eight. Like, think about last year. Think about week eighteen. You know how much that week sucked. You had to we had to watch a game, that terrible game against the Panthers, like the worst game on the planet. The you know, worst. it's like we, that's not what's happening this year, right? Like, you you have a you have a game against your the team you hate. Go get yes. Arthur Smith fired, right? You know, for DA, it's like you know, first winning season, right? It had to happen at some point. Might as well be now, you know, and. Yeah, uh, while they didn't get the ten wins, I mean, you got to. Uh, I, I don't know. You, you, you can get to nine, or you're one off. I mean, so I'm. I'm just saying, you're right I think there. What you, one thing that you can look at over these last two seasons and say, okay, this has been this is a positive trait is they finished strong in both of these seasons. Now, you got to find ways to be better throughout the course of your season, and that's not an excuse. But you look at the results over, you know, you had that three game winning streak late in the year last year when they were left for dead and they gave themselves a chance, you know, you know, you winning, you, winning in freezing Cleveland, winning in Philadelphia. Yeah, right. it was, it's a team that didn't quit. Right. And I think that's been a theme of this of this squad of this Dennis Allen tenure. Um, and if you go out and beat the Falcons then you will have won four of your final five games when you desperately needed to win them. Now, you would have loved for that to be five of five. But hey, Let's you know, I, I, I just think like. You want to be able to say like this is a, it's a team that gets better as the season goes on, and I think you can at least say that. So we'll we'll leave it at that, and we'll we'll be right back here next week when the Saints lay an egg and talking about how this was the worst thing that's ever happened to this to the, to the game of football. But again, that'll be here. We don't have to we don't have to do it right now. And <laughs> my my wife's one of those jaded Saints fans, obviously, and she's already expecting the Saints to lose to Atlanta and then Carolina to win. Now that would be something. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in the final segment in terms of the things that need to happen. Um, I just, you know, like there was a lot of ways that game could have gone. I think you go, you go into that game knowing that if this goes a certain way, the coach might get fired. You know, and I keep getting told the team was quit. 
That's not that's not what a team. I don't know what they're watching then. If right, that's not what happens win. when a team has quit. I think it's you know. It, so you know, we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I don't. I think you've got one more year of Dennis Allen coming at you, uh, one way or the other here in this last week. But we'll see. Uh, but all right, let's wrap up that thing. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about some of the things that didn't work. We're talking about some of the health, that sort of thing. We'll close out with the playoff uh, scenarios and also my, my food ranking. Playoffs. All right. This is Inside Black and Gold. Who that? We'll be right back. Sideline, he's got Trey Palmer. Palmer makes the catch all the way down to the Saint fumble because nobody touched him, and I believe the Saints got it. It is Saints football as Palmer fumbled as he went to the ground. Chris Salave played last year yes. against the Saints. That's a catch, and he did not give himself up. He just fumbled it. And we're back on the Fumble Ruski podcast. I mean, inside black and gold, where no one can fall to the ground and hold on to the ball, man. Trey Palmer must feel like a big old jerk. Uh, he was he he had a huge play in that game. He had a huge play in Week Four. Uh, he had caught the touchdown after the Adam Prentice fumble that we talked about. That's an embarrassing moment. <laughs> but you know, uh, we're going to talk about what didn't work. One thing that didn't work late in the game was, Chumpling. you know, what the hell happened? Right, right. <laughs> you, all, you, like all you had to do to win that game easily was say, hey. We're basically just going to play fences. Like, we're going to force you to throw it underneath. We're going to give you plenty of yards. We're just going to make sure we tackle you inbounds. Like, if you would force them to take even, like, five plays, two and a half minutes, that game's over. Instead, you basically, like, if not for that Trey Palmer fumble, I mean, they would have been set up in the red zone. Heck, he might have scored if he didn't lose his feet. They would have been, at minimum, set up in or close to the red zone with like five minutes to go, three timeouts, and you know I think they already had a touchdown at that point. So that would have put that would have been fourteen. No, yeah. So he had already caught a touchdown. That's why I was getting confused. He okay. caught the, the touchdown with uh, seven fifty six to go. So it was seven to twenty, I believe, or maybe seven to twenty three. And then so the fumble came with three forty eight left. So they would have been in position to potentially score with well before the two minute warning with timeouts. And instead the saints took over. And at that point it was like, it was going to take some, some pretty strong effort by the saints to blow that once they got it back, but they still tried. I mean, <laughs> what was the, what was the Chris Godwin drive? The, the touchdown to Chris Godwin, 15 seconds, right? No, that one, when we were in the sports office, me and the Cajun Cannon kind of looking at each other like, uh, I don't like that. I mean, well, and then and then they converted on the two-point conversion. It was very weird because, you know, it was obviously a late hit, which Tristan Wirfs is real mad about. Oh. And he was mad. Like, they're still talking about Nathan Shepard hitting Baker late in week four. The thing, they're, well, what they're not talking about is horse collar tackles and destroying Jameis Winston's knee because apparently that's we don't talk about that one. That's that's not a, that's, 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 yeah, we're good. Um, but 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. And previous cheap shots to Lattimore when he's not looking. Right, right. We're not talking about Mike Evans kamikazing Marshawn Lattimore in week two of last year, right? Yeah, that's not something we need to talk about. No, no. I've never like that. I you would not convince me that he was not trying to get both of them ejected <laughs> in that <laughs> right. game. Like that was his move. He was like, oh, I can't, I can't win, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take my ball and go home. But no, I mean, so Chris Godwin caught, catches a long touchdown, and you know, so the what happened was Chris Godwin went out of bounds and came back in and caught it, right? And so I can't remember if that was the hit. I think that was. I think that was when Baker got hit by Tyron Matthew and it was a late hit, but it wasn't dirty. It was, you know, it was a, it was a hit. He got hit, but I mean, I'm sure right. probably going to get fined. Let's, let's just be real. Uh, I mean, yeah. but I, I mean, in terms of a, like when you, when you're talking about like, Oh, that was a dirty hit. It's like, that nah, was a late hit. You see late hits all the time. Not like you went low. You didn't go high. Right. You just hit them. Sometimes you get hit. It's the NFL. The, the one from Nathan Shepard in week four, I actually think he has a better gripe about uh, because that was a dirty hit. That <laughs> <laughs> was well out of his hand. And, and, and it's like when it's the 5'7 defensive back hitting you with his shoulder, it, it feels like it's like, yeah, well, come on, Baker. Be a man. You know, I had one of, you know, one of our coworkers texted me about, you know, the, the video of Tristan Wurst complaining. And I'm, I'm here trying to think, I'm like, I'm going to have to rewatch the hit because it really didn't stand out to any, anything to me that was so egregious. It wasn't egregious. It was a penalty. It was a late hit, but I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, it, he, he's running up the old, he makes it, but the, the one from Nathan Shepard in week four was pretty, was pretty nasty. Um, so I get, I, if that's probably like, if it was just the Tyron Matthew, he probably wouldn't have heard anything from Tristan, but that like, again, if you want to go back and watch it, like that was a pretty, I was pretty wild when it happened. And both of them were very merited penalties. Actually, I don't think Nathan was fined. I'd have to go back and check. Either way. Um, the, so the two-point conversion didn't, like, they ended up failing on the second attempt. Paulson and Debo intercepted the ball and for some reason decided to go for a jog. Right. I mean, what he did this, uh, he, he, uh, he did the same thing against the Vikings. If you remember, he intercepted uh, Joshua Dobbs, but it was a penalty. So like it didn't count and like everyone knew it didn't count, but he still like ran around for like 20 seconds, even though it was a return that would not count. I don't know. Paulson just likes to practice his, his returns, I guess. I, that's the only thing I can think of because why would you like, just go down? He's not, yeah, running, not running that all the way back and why it doesn't matter if you do. I wasn't sure uh, if it was going to count as an interception. It does not. It's just a two point conversion failed statistically no there's no stats on that play it's not a catch it's not you know fantasy wise i don't know if it counts because because like a converted two point counts in fantasy i don't know if it counts as a pass defense or whatever it should count as a pass defense the interception shouldn't count because it's not a turnover but it's it is a pass anyway but uh yeah he ran the uh, he was trying to run it all the way back (laughs) just just to like pour Salt in the wound, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he was feeling it like the, with the rest of the defense that day. I don't know. Yeah. It was a nice play by him. You know, uh, it, it ended the game because, the, you know, it's we were talking about this. The Saints really haven't had a lot of games where it didn't come down to the final possession this year. Like, well, even when things are going badly, these typically end up being, you know, one-score games. There's only two that I can think of that did not. So it was the Bucks in week four and then the Falcons in week – 10 week 11 week 12 
That's correct. Week 12, because they were off in week 11. And even that game, like, it, Blake Groupie missed a field goal that would have cut it to six and given them a chance at an onside kick. So even that was a reasonably, comp- you know, the, the game wasn't over in the third quarter, right? But this game, you know, the, like that onside kick didn't matter. They would have had to actually score and recover another one to have a chance at the, to win that game. So um, that two-point conversion, I was concerned when they, when they initially scored that two-point conversion. I was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna get the onside kick. They're going to get it. This is going to happen. Uh, but then, so, you know, uh, like you need to be better in those situations. And I think part of it is just like they haven't been in a lot of them, right? They, they haven't been in a lot of situations where it's like this desperation comeback attempt. Like when it, the Patriots game, they were up by a lot, but it was like there's nothing they could do. The Giants game was similar. Like they were not coming back in that game. But I mean, you saw in week in week two, they they did struggle in a situation like that against the Panthers. Um, so, you know, that's just a, it's something they're just not, not particularly good at. And I think part of it is they don't want to get out of their comfort zone in terms of, okay, we've been playing this way the whole game. So we don't want to suddenly start playing prevent and go into a shell. But at a certain point you just, you do like, it does benefit you to go into a shell. Like if the alternative is they're just going to take shot after shot after shot, (laughs) just go into a shell guys. (laughs) That's how you stop that. Yeah, that it definitely was wasn't pretty, and put a lot of doubt and fear into fans uh, during during the game when you, you know you pretty much were handling this team for the for the first half very easily. Yeah, hundred um, percent. A couple other things that did not work were lower extremities. Got a couple injuries in this game. Alvin Kamara. That was a big disappointment, obviously. Yeah, he went off the field. It was one of those hip drop tackles everyone likes to talk about. Uh, Got kind of rolled up on. I believe it was his right ankle as he was going out of bounds. He did. I I didn't see it, um, but apparently he came out after halftime uh, and tried to work it out, see if he could go. The answer was no. He went back in the locker room, did not return. Um, So, you know, that's going to be tough if you don't have him in week 18 against the Falcons. Will Kendra Miller finally, you know, will he do like the the uh, what what's the 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 wrestler, um, the Undertaker? Is that who Rise it is? up, yeah. yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be Kendra. Uh, I don't know, um, but yeah, it's you gotta have, maybe James Robinson makes an appearance. Like you're gonna have to if Alvin can't go, someone's gonna have to step up. And you know, hope, I'd love that to be Kendra, <laughs> uh, but I just don't know if his ankle's gonna allow him to go. But because ankle injuries are tough, right? For, especially for a running back, because you need to be able to not only play at a high level, but also protect yourself, right? And if you don't feel like you can do that, then I don't think you can be out there. But So that's going to be one to watch throughout the week. The other two the significant injuries, Nephi Sewell, he tore his ACL or did something to his ACL. I imagine it's torn. And so he's going to have to have surgery. He's done for a while. That's a bummer for him because he had played himself into a role, you know, and a second year UDFA. Um, hopefully he can get back, but you know, that's going to be an injury that probably keeps him out well into next season. Right. Uh, I would imagine he starts on pup and yeah. So that's even if you want to keep him around, he's that's, that's going to be a long recovery timeline. The other guy times with the linebacker slash big time special teams contributors, you know? Yeah. I mean, injuries, injuries happen. Yeah. I think Andrew Dow is the other one you're talking about. Right. Um, Yeah. So, not ideal. And again, just a bummer for a guy who's played well and, and done, did everything right. Um, Someone you root for, Nephi. 
No, 100%. Uh, the other guy, Landon Young, he's dealing with the similar injury to the same knee that he dealt with. If you recall, the it was actually the practice at the Superdome on the final play. He went down with a knee injury, missed the first several weeks of the season, never went on IR. I don't think he, he didn't have to have surgery as far as I know. Um, but, you know, it's a recurrence of that injury. And so, yeah, you're probably not going to have – oh, gosh, I keep going. You're probably not going to have him uh, in Week 18, so you're going to rely on Cam Irving and who backs up Cam Irving. That I do not know. Maybe you have <laughs> to sign somebody uh, because it's very clear that they will do anything but put Trevor Penning on the field. And obviously he's the left tackle, not the right tackle. You're not going to put him in at right tackle. But you'd think that, you know – you could put James Hurst at right tackle and kick Andres Pete into guard, but that would require Trevor Penning to play a meaningful snap of football. And apparently uh, that is against the rules. He's only allowed to be in for field goals and kneel downs. That's why you dropped hell, him. How the hell do you take that mentally as a first round pick, man? I mean, maybe that's why they, I think that's why they drafted him. They really loved his field goal blocking game. Oh, shut and, up. And he felt like, they felt like he could really give them an edge on the kneel down uh, reps. Oh, lovely. He's really good at that. You, you, I mean, it's incredible. He's just a monster out there. Yeah, it's it's actually one of the questions, like even in the post-game show, people are like, so it's pending a bust. And I was like, I, I don't want to call him that, but it's hard not to. I'm not going to call him a bust be- only because they're clearly treating him like a rookie in the sense that, I wouldn't I wouldn't say a guy struggled in his rookie season so he can't get better. But it's it's just hard. I mean that you he's going to get a chance, right? Like you're going to come back next year and you're going to give him a chance, but <laughs> I don't know maybe you try to make guard, maybe you try to move him to maybe move him to right tackle. Maybe you know, that's obviously not an ideal situation, but I do think the pass protection needs are a little different at right tackle. It's more of a run blocking <laughs> position. So maybe that does suit him better. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. May, maybe a new offensive line coach could do wonders too. Who knows? Uh, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not talking about the offseason. Right. This right exactly. I got you. Yeah. I, that's going to be a discussion that I want to get into uh, in terms of like much later. Gonna, you have to try, right? Like that's, that's been my biggest gripe from this season is <laughs> you just gave up. And I don't, and it's like, I don't, has he, was he really that bad? I don't, I don't know. Well, that's again, exactly. Uh, it feels like there might be a little more there too. I don't know if it's a clash of personalities or what, but it's, it's odd. It is odd. I mean, he's not inactive either. That's the weird thing. It's like, he is yeah. active. He has been inactive zero times this year. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's, uh, I, I thought, again, I thought the, the pass blocking was pretty good for this, this game in general and the run blocking. So it's not hurting you. And I, I, I like Cam Irving. I don't know if he's necessarily in perfect shape right now, because he was dealing with cramps late in that game. It's tough to be in great shape. You're a three, you got, you got to be 300 pounds as an offensive lineman, but you're not getting reps in practice and you're not playing. So it, it has to be very like, I, I have no frame of reference for this, but I have to imagine it's very difficult to stay in game shape as a backup offensive lineman, right? Like you have to play, you know, like that's like this, like Zion Williamson, uh, if he's not playing basketball, it was just going to balloon. Right, right? exactly. Uh, just, that's so built. Yeah, like I feel like that's that's just – so hopefully with a week of 
practice reps and you can get that. But I, I saw him, uh, I saw him with the oxygen on the sideline and uh, he, he was cramping late in the game there. So like, I like Cam. I think he's played well when he's been in there. So I don't think it's a huge um, step back from, from what you have with Landon, but that's going to be something. Anyway, that's the health uh, that you're going to have to watch. Now, a couple other things, third and penalty. That was the, the Bucks' best offense in the first three quarters of that game was yeah. allowing the Saints to foul them on third Ugh. and long. Yeah. That was uh, D1 with the face mask. Yeah, and that on that drive alone, they had so they had a third and fifteen that they converted uh with a with a hole on a Debo. They had a third and nine right. backed up at their own goal line that they converted with a face mask penalty on Brazil, which is frustrating because he had a sack. Like he he was there. It wasn't like he was beat and or like he was just reaching to try to take him down. And he's like, no, he was, he had him. Yeah. And so like that was instead of a sack, it was a first down. And then they also had a third and nine that, or maybe it's third and seven or third and eight that uh, Paulson Debo slipped and Mike Evans caught it for 33 yards. Basically yeah. the only thing Mike Evans did all day. And uh, so like, you gotta be, you, you can't, you know, in a in a in a more competitive game, you'd be looking at that and being like, "That's why you lost because you got him in third and long so many times." And uh, like in a lot of instances, you'd be like, "Oh, he ran for it." No, that wasn't the case today. Baker didn't run at all. You actually did a good job uh, stopping Baker from running, but in way too many instances, you got him in third and long and couldn't get off the field. And they weren't good on third down. You gave them free first downs, um, and so that was something that didn't work. You had to be better there, but. You know, you're nitpicking in a game that the defense pretty much dominated. Yeah, for sure. Those, what you just mentioned that you, right there, you know, it's kind of those things you're you're banging your head on the desk as we're watching that going, what the hell are you doing? You had him. You were getting – just get yeah. off the freaking field. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I think the pressure was really good in this game. You know, like that's one of the things we didn't really talk about because, again, there's 90 things we could – like there's so <laughs> many things that they did well in this game that it's hard to look at and be like, okay, well, let's name them all. Because the pass rush, I thought, had his best game. Or may, maybe not his best game because you did get a bunch of sacks against the Giants, but it's best game against an offensive line that isn't the worst in the NFL, right? Like the Panthers give up sacks to everybody. The Giants give up sacks to everybody. The Bucks aren't terrible up front, um, but the, the Saints beat them. And that's like the, you know, you stop the run, you get after the pack, passer. Like that's what you need to do. No, and you mentioned it too, right at the beginning. Is like this is a team you're facing that had been on a roll and put things together and had momentum, winning four straight, and you just you cut that off. Yep, agreed. Okay, one other stock down. Um, it's it's the guy who showed up to the game with a bag on his head. Oh gosh, I'm glad you brought that up. I hate that crap. Well, you know, so here's the thing: if you're gonna show up to the game with a bag on your head. Don't take it off because the team's playing well. Uh, That's was just weak. Like, if you're gonna bring that energy, keep that energy. Stick with it, brother. Right. Now it just looks soft. That's it. That's all no, I got. And to me, to me, the bags ended when this team won a Super Bowl. I don't give a shit. Well, and I mean, like, like this isn't a bag team. Like, I, I'm not I I, I Right, you're in playoff contention. Right, like you could, you could, you could still win the division. I don't think that just winning a Super Bowl means the bags can ever come back, right? Like there's scenarios where you're bad enough and it's that bad that it's like fine, like put a bag on, do do what you want to do. But 
this is not that season. No. I mean, come on. <laughs> like you get like the, I mean, look at the Panthers. <laughs> they have a, their owner is literally throwing drinks on people in the stands. How awful is that, right? Like that's a could you, you even imagine Mrs. Benson doing that and the backlash that we going throughout the league? I think I, I was trying to say, I was like I, I don't know if I've ever even seen Gail like upset even like my mildly upset <laughs> about anything I, I i mean and you know she's she's got a she's got a pretty good setup i mean yeah i think po- david tepper is just a child T- horrible look for them and i'm interested to see uh what the league's gonna do if he gets fined at all they have to find him i would have think to so right him. he threw a drink on a fan was, was they were in jacksonville yes I think so. Must, Let me I think they were. Like that's wild. What what could the fan have possibly said to the billionaire that got under his skin that yeah, much? Yeah, it wasn't Jacksonville, right? <laughs> like, come on, come on, David. Um, but yeah, like the only thing the only thing Gail has uh, has thrown at fans is Mardi Gras beads, <laughs> and they want those. <laughs> right there, you go. Um. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, this is not a this is not a bag team. Yeah, so I and again, like I, if you're gonna wear a bag, wear a bag. Don't take the bag off. Wear the bag. So, so you saw the guy? He was bagless afterward. Like all of a sudden, the team started winning. Well, I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> right. So it's not like I could say like, well, that's the guy who had the bag on his head. But halfway through the game, there was no bag anymore. Hmm. Okay. So just saying. Like if you're gonna t- bring that energy with you all the way oh, to Tampa, man. keep that energy. Don't don't yeah, come on, come on. Because oh, I was looking for him. Because I wanted to take a picture, and right. he's gone. No bag. He was wearing a maybe it was jersey. a Tampa plant. Who knows? Yeah, he bought a Breeze jersey just for that. <laughs> yeah, man. Good oh, stuff. One of the negatives I thought was, uh, you know, you want to nitpick about stuff was that one play too. I don't know if he counted as a sack against Carr, but where yeah. he ran out of bounds and he could have thrown the ball away. That was the uh, that was the only sack of the game for the Bucks. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, he talked so about that in his post game. There. He talked about that in his post game because he was like, uh, like I need to point out that that's the offensive line didn't give up a sack. I did because I'm an idiot. Glad he, he did. That, yeah, but. exactly. Because I, I was like, what the hell are you doing? Well, he was he 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 waited too long, right? Like his plan was to extend the play. Maybe someone comes open and then throw it before he gets to the sideline, but he waited too long. I think he lost track of where he was and he ended up stepping out. It was close. Like if you if you challenged it, you might have gotten it in terms of like his foot might have been an inch off the ground, but the refs can only, you know, they're they 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 don't get to pause it and be like, oh, the ball was a quarter inch out of his hand and his foot is, <laughs> you know, they're just anticipating. And we already know the refs suck. So like yeah, and you're not going to challenge that. It's not. It's not worthwhile enough to challenge that. Right. So it was just you got to give yourself more of a margin to make sure that the right call is made. Because once the wrong call was made, it's not changing. So yeah, that was probably that was one of the things he did not do well. But didn't turn the ball over. Like that's been one of the positives for this team this season is they've taken care of the ball. Um, they got they have four takeaways on defense, so he won a lot of games that way. Massive um, against a team that we were all talking about. Oh man, the Bucks are plus ten coming into this. They the Bucks were the team that got four takeaways last week. And they beat right. the Jags, and then the Jags beat the Panthers so badly this week that they got the 
owner to throw drinks on fans. I'm wondering if we will see um, Andy Dalton in the finale or they're just going to keep riding Bryce. I don't see how that would benefit you to play Andy. No, um, I think you're right. You want to give your rookie the experience, I guess. But to me, I, for Saints fans, I'd rather see Andy Dalton going against Tampa, honestly. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Let's talk about that in the next segment because we'll get yeah. into the playoff playoff stuff. So let's wrap this one up. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Gelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow him at Steve Gelly WWL. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that. Do that. Do that. Anyway, we'll be right back. This is Inside Black. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about playoffs. Believe it or not. We'll be right back. Okay. that will never go away it's legendary it's perfect it is perfect and this is inside black and gold i mean yes we are going to talk about playoffs but we're only going to talk about for a couple minutes because it's actually re- you know uh, I, I tweeted this don't confuse simple with likely but what you can say about the saints path to the playoffs is it is actually very simple <laughs> we don't have to say like oh if they if this team wins and this team loses and they win the tiebreaker over them and it's a five-way tiebreaker and then it's just no just four games total that you have to work that you have to consider uh, in general, and so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna say explain exactly what the Saints need to have happen to a, either win the NFC South or win a wild card, both of which are still on the table. And then you know when we're done with that, I want to tell you who has the worst uh, press box food in the NFL. <laughs> so we're gonna do that. But okay, so first things first, the Saints needed to win in Week 17 to retain any hope of making the postseason, They exactly. did that. That keeps them alive in the NFC South race. And it keeps them alive in the wild card race because the other thing they needed to have happen was they needed one or both of the Rams and or Seahawks to lose a game. Thank you, Pittsburgh. Now the Rams tried their best. They, they got taken to the brink by the Giants. It was a one-point game. The Giants had a chance at a 54-yard field goal, and they did not hit it. Uh, Mason Crosby, you know, maybe three years ago, hits that kick. <laughs> this is not the year Mason Crosby hits that kick. Graham Gano probably hits that kick. He's on IR. Heck, Randy Bullock hit a longer kick against the Giants. He's on IR. Cade York, we know he's got a leg. He's on IR. Uh, so they went with Mason Crosby, and they didn't make it. So... The Rams have basically secured themselves a playoff spot. And so this everything came down to the Seahawks in terms of the wild card. The Seahawks lost to the Steelers. So that keeps things alive for another week in the wild card. But first, let's talk about the NFC South. So the Saints are 8-8. Eight and eight, The Bucks are 8-8. Eight and eight, The Falcons are 7-9. and nine. All three teams can actually still win the division, which is kind of crazy. I can't remember the last time you got to week 18 with three teams in contention to win the division title, but they are. So the Bucs win the tiebreaker against the Saints. So if the Bucs win against the Panthers in Atlanta, I'm sorry, in Carolina, they win the division. It's over. That's the end of it. Because no matter what the Saints do, they will not win the tiebreaker over the Bucs if they're both 9-8. and eight. But if the Saints beat the Falcons and the Bucs lose to the Panthers, the Saints will be 9-8, and eight, the Bucs will be 8-9, and nine, 
and the saints say yay rah rah everything we ever dreamed of has come true um hang a banner the vision champs they will hang a banner <laughs> and, and it will be right next to all the other banners there won't be a there won't be an asterisk saying this season sucked don't know right <laughs> and so that's i mean you know what makes it unlikely is that the panthers have won two games all season and they're terrible but if the bucks team we saw in week 17 shows up in carolina in week 18 I think the Panthers might have a chance. The Falcons would also get in if they win and the Bucks lose because all three teams would be eight and nine and the Falcons would actually win that three-way tiebreaker. So, you know, the, the, the Fox, the Fox, the Falcons losing to the bears, even they got blown out by the bears. Didn't actually matter. Like that game actually didn't matter in terms of their playoff hopes because no matter what happened, they would have had to beat the saints to get in. So, yeah, but he's happy too, Jeff, that we're not looking at a, a Carolina squad going, well, we're, we're going to tank this game because we got to keep our, you know, our, our first round pick status that we don't have to worry about that at all because we know the Bears own it and they don't give a damn about that. And it's even locked up anyway that Chicago's got the number one overall pick. Right. That's what I was about to say. Even if the Panthers did own that pick. Right. It's number one. They will not change because they Can't have a two game cushion on uh the next closest team which i think there's a couple teams that at four wins but yeah that's that's kind of funny so so yeah like that's the scenario that you can look at and say well at least they will give a representative effort not like i've talked about this the eagles in 2020 pulled jalen hurts at halftime because they wanted to lose that game and protect like whatever pick it was i can't recall but it would have changed had they won um you won't see that you know this is a team that's going to try to win um because you you that's you're a football team. You're not going to go out there and try to lose. (laughs) The question is whether they can win. Right. And I think, you know, if, if there was division games are weird, right? Like you saw the Falcons lose to the Panthers. This is a good Panthers defense. And they've actually gotten pieces back as the season has gone on. You know, obviously the game in the game in Jacksonville. Yeah. But you know, they're going to play a little better at home, right? It's easier to play at home. It's the finale. It's just, you just kind of leave it all on the field. And you look back at the game in in Tampa a few weeks back, right? It came down to the Panthers had the ball at their own 40 with a little over two minutes left. They were down by three, right? I mean, they had a chance to go win that game. And the the Bryce Young threw an interception, the Bucs won. But it wasn't exactly a blowout. And this was in Tampa, right? So, you know, like, while I'm not going to tell you to bet on it, I keep hearing, like, there's no way that the Panthers beat the Bucks. Disagree totally, like, right? I mean, it's not likely, but this idea that it's like you don't even it's, we don't even need to watch it. Come on, like there, there's a chance. Um, I'm honestly more worried about the Saints beating the Falcons because if they don't beat the Falcons, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter, right? <laughs> um, yeah, like that's uh, the, there's a chance, right? And I'd like to think that the Panthers will be motivated. I just think, I think as a team, it's like you can get yourself up to ruin someone's day. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. Like, and, and I think like the ability, like just the ability to say like, we can piss that team off so bad and we can make a statement that, that our former quarterback kind of sucks and we were right to let him go. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. They, they know, they know Baker firsthand, obviously there. They do. They do.
and they practiced against him, right? So, uh, yeah, anyway, let's, uh, we can go on from there. But, you know, the, the nice thing is, so these those two games are at noon. So they'll nice be happening cool. simultaneously. So scoreboard watching a lot. Be scoreboard watching. You know, it, it's going to be frustrating because there isn't really a a well seen scoreboard in the Superdome. Like like in Tampa, they have a board throughout the entire game that's just flashing between the scores and like showing like where the plays are. And you know, in in the Superdome, it's like they'll show it, but it's not easy to see. Like so, I'll I'll have to be you know checking that on my phone, which won't work. Um, I was going to say, don't worry. That great Superdome internet will help you out. I'll have to keep asking Robert. Like, oh, what's the score? Um, but, yeah. So, that's that one. So, if that goes well, if the Saints win and the Bucks lose, then the afternoon games don't matter. You've won your division. You're the fourth seed, and you host a playoff game. Hosting. Now, that's amazing, you know? It is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, and you probably host the Eagles, <laughs> a team that can't beat the Cardinals. And da- so what's funny is Cardinals beat Dallas and Philly this year. Unbelievable. Yeah. They have some pelts. And Joshua Dobbs was the quarterback in that, that other game. Uh, yeah. Wild season. So the, the afternoon window, right? You're looking yeah. at the Seahawks at the Cardinals and the Packers at the Bears. So if the Saints win and the Bucks win, the Bucks win the division – but all is not lost because there is still a route to the wild card, which again, like the, I've seen these scenarios, you know, like, Oh, if this team loses to this team and that team wins and that's it's like, this is pretty straightforward. The saints need to finish one game better than both of those teams. So the saints need the Seahawks to lose to the Cardinals and they need the Packers to lose to the bears. Now the Packers will be favorites in that game, but the Bears are playing pretty good football right now, if you haven't noticed. I mean, they beat up on the Falcons uh, on Sunday. Justin Fields is playing well, and I think he might be playing for his job because this is a team with the number one overall pick. Yeah, they're in an odd situation. It's like, what are they going to do? Stick with Fields or do you draft a QB? Right. And so, like, they're not going to be worried about where their place is. And even if they do want to draft a QB, they want to showcase Justin Fields, right? Right. Because so if, if they draft a quarterback, they're probably going to want to trade Justin. So, you know, I think I think you're going to get a full effort out of the Bears. Again, that's the other factor of like, are they going to play hard? I think they're going to play hard. Can they win? Yeah, I think they can. It's a division game. They got to go to Green Bay. But, you know, I, I feel like there's a chance there. It's not a it's not a walkover. Again, it's not going to be a team that's tanking. The one I am concerned about is Arizona because they beat Philadelphia, so they already got that feel-good late-season win that kind of is going to send you into the postseason with like, hey, okay, we, we've we shown that we're better than our record is. They have Kyler Murray. He's playing. Do they bench him? Do they sit him down? That's what I'm wondering about because you don't want to get Kyler Murray hurt in a game that doesn't matter and you because you don't want to go into next season dealing with the same shit you went into this season. And you look at it, and the the Cardinals are one of three teams sitting at four and twelve, and there are three more teams sitting at five and eleven. So, if the Cardinals lose this game, their pick will be no worse than fourth, and could be as high as two if the other teams win. Wow, right. If they win this game, their pick is at best fourth, and at and could be as low as seven. If they win, 
and the other three teams at five and 11 lose because their strength of schedule is better or, or worse. I, I don't know. They would end up on the wrong side of that tiebreaker. So yeah. that's math that, you know, I've seen teams tank for less than that. It's not a dissimilar situation to where the Eagles were. So I worry that you're going to get to halftime of that game and they're going to be like, yeah, we're going to protect Kyler. We're going to get him out. And you end up losing that game because I don't know who's Colt McCoy, who is their backup. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even sure. Um, I, I will say, man, Ky- Kyler ripped apart the Eagles. I was right. I couldn't believe it. Right. And so I worry that that's your, that is your statement game. And you're going to be like, nah, we're going to, you know, that's my only, like, I'm not worried about the Panthers doing that. I'm not worried about the bears doing that. I am worried about the Cardinals doing that. Right. Yeah. And so I, I definitely see that. And Clayton Newton's the backup over there. Who? Clayton Toon is the backup quarterback. Yeah. Bob, Bobby Bears like uh oh, yeah, I think married ma- married to his cousin or something, something like that, but it definitely some kind of relation there. He's not blood. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, like the Saints would need to beat the Falcons. And if they get to that in the afternoon window, they would need the Seahawks to lose and the Packers to lose. And if that happens, you get to the wild card. Again, these are low percentage plays, but they exist and they're not super convoluted. So I think, you know, it is what it is. All you get, all you can do is go beat the Falcons and hope for the best. Yeah. We had a great fan call in uh, during the post game. So show saying saints fans should actually go to Carolina to root for the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny. Right. If there was just a ton of saints fans scattered around at right. Bank of America stadium, right. A game that's probably going to be a pretty cheap ticket. I know, I know someone who could tell us the secondary market on those prices. Yeah, he probably could. Is he the one who called in and said that's what they should do? No, no. no. Speaking of Bank of America Stadium, did you know it comes in at number eight overall on my press box food rankings? How many, how many um, stadiums Ten. are on the list? Ten, because we went to SoFi twice. All right, so that means Carolina's down there. Carolina is eight out of ten. Right. I'll give you... I'll give you the the middle. So uh, number four is Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They always have some nice stuff, like they have a meat carving station. They have a soft serve ice cream machine. I I give you extra points if you do interesting shit. Now, you go down the list. Houston, NRG Stadium, solid, not great, middle of the road. You know, they have some interesting snack options, but but nothing fantastic. You've been to Houston. Yes. Yeah, you know, I would say very middling, so I agree with there. It's good, but it's kind of it's kind of boring. Right. They keep going down. Tampa, number six. You know, I don't think that their food was particularly good. Um, they have the smallest media workroom, which is where you get kind of your mid-game snacks. They have the smallest media workroom I've ever seen. It's a closet. <laughs> I, I couldn't even sit down in there. I know the visiting locker room is abysmal. It's I'm, I'm sure it's still terrible. Yeah, I, I was in there. It wasn't that bad. Um, but... And that's only because I've been to SoFi twice. And that is the, it was, you could tell me a high school hockey team is in there. And I believe really, okay. Yeah. I've not, it's a $5 billion stadium. And it's like, you know, like little metal mesh lockers that you had in high school, you know, like they have the holes in them. That's what they're that like. Literally that's the, that's the visiting locker room. It's $5 billion stadium. It's embarrassing anyway, but, but like Tampa, so Tampa would be further down on this list, but, and this is important to me. They serve breakfast. And I have a soft spot for breakfast. 
And so if you're going to give me eggs and, and sausage and, and, and shit before a noon game, I'm all for it because I get very tired of having like Salisbury steak at, before a noon kickoff. It's This is a one yeah, right. kickoff. But either way, I give them credit for that. So they blew up on my list because of that alone. And the food wasn't terrible. It was, it was good. There's some good options. Yeah, I'm surprised they're actually that low. Usually Tampa's kind of higher on folks' lists. Tampa's fine. I, I just it didn't it didn't blow me away, right? Okay. And again, there's only 10 of these stadiums. There's 20 other stadiums. <laughs> they could all rank lower. The next one, Minnesota, just not memorable to me. Like kind of just bland, boring. Um, kind of like Vikings fans. Yeah, to me, I remember more of the stadium itself, the layout, stadium uh, more the, the food that they serve, kind of thing. And again, it's like so that's seventh, kind of, eh, like. Carolina is next. They're eighth. And it's, it's I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad because I just don't remember it very well. And that's part of the reason I'm downgrading right, leave it. that impression for sure. Well, it was in week two. So, so long ago that I just don't really remember it, but it wasn't memorable. So that makes it low. Maybe right. next year when I go, I'll, I'll, I'll feel differently. It was also a night game. So you get a slightly different menu for the night games. <laughs> Ninth, SoFi. That's ridiculous. Embarrassing. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, I have not been, but obviously the money you spent on that stadium to be not, you know, your media dining should be a hell of a lot better for that. Yeah. So SoFi is kind of funny because, you know, it's one of the stadiums where the the broadcast area is separate from the press box area. Right. So I, I'm speaking from the broadcast area. I don't know exactly what they serve in the press box, but it's like 90% prepackaged. Like you get like a sandwich in shrink wrap and, right. and, and stuff like that. Like, it, like the nice thing. And the reason it's ninth instead of 10th is because they do have decent prepackaged stuff. Like I can grab, you know, like cold brew coffees and stuff out of the vending machine or the, like the fridge. Yeah. And that puts it above the number 10 team on the list, which I will keep secret for now. And like, they, and you can get like bags, boxes of M&Ms and stuff like that, like that. Right. That helps. That, but no, like, that's I love that stuff too. That boosts me up that I can throw in my bag and head to the sideline. But again, like you just bought that. That doesn't right. mean it's good. Like you, you bought me M&Ms. You're trying to, trying to butter me up. Like, nah. nah. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to go back to, up to the top. So number three on my list. And I was surprised by this, but it's Foxborough. It's New England. Okay. And part of it is because I'm from, I'm from New England, right? And I'm, and I'm partial to a good, good clam chowder. And it was kind of a cold day. And I mean, oh, that clam chowder Hit slapped, spot. man. It slapped. And again, it's another one of those stadiums where the broadcast area is, you know, like it's in a different area from the press box. So again, I don't know what was in the press box, but if there was anything like what we had in the broadcast area, money. Uh, and it's like, I, I just, I love me some clam chowder. And it was, it was hot. It was good. It got me, it got me ready. But that, that's number three. Have you been yeah. there? I got to go to Foxborough, and I thought, yeah, the, the media layout. I, I remember this was during training camp that we were there for the preseason, and I, I remember they had warm brownie with ice cream for the media, and you won me over right there. And I was like, I lo- thank you. <laughs> the mid-game – so every every – you know, when you're on the field, there's a media worker when they'll have a mid-game kind of meal in there. They had, like, like fresh pizza. Wow. And I was like, this is fantastic. This is so great. Anyway. Yeah, I remember chicken sandwiches, even burgers. They they really did well for the media, and they even uh, the drink selection. They even had a Keurig available for you to make your own, you know, fresh cup of coffee individual. Nice. Yeah. So that's number three. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. I really wasn't, but it was good. Um, now number two, 
And this was a tough one for me. Number two, because I really like it. And this is another example of the breakfast putting it up is Lucas Oil, Indianapolis. Never been. Very, very good. And okay. they had legit breakfast options. They had a make your or they had a a breakfast burrito bar. Where oh, I like, like that you know, already. have an omelet bar. They had a it's breakfast like burrito bar. So yeah, you got you had me at breakfast burrito bar. Yeah, for um, sure. Very good. And it was good breakfast, like like crispy bacon. Man, ugh. Like still thinking about it. Yeah, you load up on that. You're good for the game, man. Yeah. Plus, it's a kind of a cool stadium. You know, it's like a warehouse, um, a factory. <laughs> um, so we got two left. We got two left. Number one and number ten. Number one and number ten. Have you disagreed with any of mine so far? No, it's uh, everything has sounded great. I was a little surprised, like I said, about Tampa being so low because so many people have it up there because of the carving stations. Yeah. I mean, I have it middle. I mean, I have it in the middle. It's six. Right. Not like it's 10th. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, if it's between them and New, I put them similar to Atlanta, and Atlanta yeah, just agree. has them beat. And I think Houston also has them beat. I could flip, I could probably flip Tampa and Houston, but it's five and six, right? Right in the middle. Right. So number one, Lambo. Oh, I had a fantastic time there for sure. It's just like you, they didn't even serve me breakfast, but it was just, you have so many distinct, like you just get a brat and exactly. you know, it's you got to good. It's just good. And the wet and it's cold. You know, it's like even on October, whenever we were up there, it's like, it's kind of like kind of frigid. So you get that nice warm, uh, warm brat. Yeah. My and, biggest uh, mistake there was I was a piggy and I had two brats. So my stomach was like, Oh God, yeah. I shouldn't have had that. Yeah, second you gotta one. be careful. You gotta be careful. Um, but no, Lambo Lambo is cool. The only the only thing that's annoying about Lambo is there's only one entrance in and out of the stadium, so you got to walk all the way around. <laughs> and I also got caught in a kicking net there, but that's, that's <laughs> not nothing to do with the press box. So that's number one, number one on my list. Only one left. You might have Gee. guessed the number one we're 10, at the most. The worst, the worst press box media layout for food in the NFL. And I've only been to 10 stadiums, but I'm prepared to say it's the worst in the NFL. <laughs> the Caesars Superdome. It's terrible. And and I don't, it's like, I hope they're listening. No, there's no way anyone from the Saints is listening 90 minutes into a podcast. But I man, hope somebody's listening from the Superdome, you know, like commission or whatever. The more stadiums I go to, the more egregious it is how how just sad the press box food is. And I don't think the food in the stadium is particularly mind-blowing either and the same could be said in the smoothie king center across the street i think it's center plate that does the food and they're renovating it's supposed to improve the meal service in terms of you're going to be able to get food from one place to another a lot easier but like it's it's kind of it's basically like a high school lunch like that's the type of dining you're getting Slop on a plate that's how i describe it for sure yeah like every other every so there's nine other stadiums on this list and every single other one you're, you're, there's an entire spread to pick from. You also have a dining area. Do I want nachos? Do I want to skip this meal and get soft serve ice cream? Do I want to go to the carving <laughs> station? Do I want to go to the breakfast burrito bar? Literally, the media, ser- the the meal service in the in the Caesar Superdome press box is like four heated things. Which is like, oh, would you like baked beans? <laughs> <laughs> would you like some collard greens? Yeah. Would you like some peach cobbler at 10 a.m.? I don't. I skip that. Um, there's salad too. There's a little salad thing, big bowl. But 
you know, it's, I don't no, know how it, they go, they go around and I'm, and I'm being very pretentious. I'm sure everyone's already turned this off by now, but I don't know how this saints go to other stadiums and are like, not like we need to step our, like I would be embarrassed. We're in new Orleans for crying out loud. Yeah. Like the, the, no, like I, the I guarantee you take a poll of all the media members, Jeff, and everyone's going to be like, Oh yeah. Superdome sucks. Well, that's what, like I was, I was just about to say, like, I, I would, I would be stunned if, any opposing media opposing team looks forward to that. Like right, maybe visiting the city to check out stuff, but yeah, not the food in the dome for sure. Not like it's the only stadium. And I go there a lot that I, just or even the access to the freaking the press box because, Hey, you got to jump on with fans because there's only that elevator. Yeah. That's another thing. That's, that's a, so annoying. That's a whole other issue. But uh, no, I, I just, I, I'm I'm continually disappointed in the food that I can get at the Superdome. And that's not just in the press box. Like, I've never been particularly impressed with the food in general. And it's like, it's for, for, for New Orleans, you got to do better than that. Like, even when I go to the Smoothie King Center, the only thing I can get that I like is crispy, crunchy chicken. You know, way, way back before they moved the press box and it was in the mezzanine middle area, there was a little small dining par and for morning, those noon kickoffs, they did have a create an omelet station. Sadly, that is not the case anymore. That it used to be great. It really did. And and that little part of it for me, you know, I'm with you. It's like, I want to fuel up on eggs, bacon, sausage in the morning before that noon kickoff. And they, they had that there. And just when they moved it all the way up to the top of the roof, there's that, you know, the chow line where the slop comes on and yeah, no more create an omelet, unfortunately. Yeah. I just, I just, I'd like an option that isn't mystery meat and peas. Oh yeah. And, and the cookies wrapped in cellophane too. Yeah. The cookies are fine. (laughs) I can't complain about the cookies. And there's also nothing post game. Right. Try and find Um, a water or Gatorade. Good luck. Anyway. So now, now everyone's had that. Now that everyone has unsubscribed from this podcast, Prima Donna uh, media can. members complaining about free food. Yeah, you you know, but uh, so this is my list for this year, and uh, you know, assuming I do this job again next year, I'll, I'll update it with we'll the see other. If the Rome can what? step it up for our next year rankings. Yeah, it's still a year. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so they'll have uh, they'll have finished the renovation by then, I believe. Right. So maybe, maybe if you're Things listening to look to this, forward to. If if center plate is that you? Wonder, wonder if we should ask Dennis Allen about that. Oh yeah, I think I think he might. <laughs> He might just say, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> um, keep waiting for that. Hasn't happened yet. What but all right. Been? That is the end. That's the end of this podcast. This has been Inside Black and Gold. This is our New Year's Day edition. Hence why it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, the Saints won. The Saints have a chance to go win a game in Week 18. Like I said, I'm going to talk about the offseason when the offseason gets here. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, this has to happen. This guy has to get fired. This guy has to get cut. This guy has to get signed. I'm not. I'm no, going to talk about this week. Right I'm now, going to talk sure. about. I'm going to talk about this game because it's all we got. Here. Right. Right. Let's go beat the dirty birds, man. One week to go. That's just I I I only say this and, I, and I'm I'm not going to harp on this, but like I hope that the atmosphere in the Superdome is reflective of a like because it wasn't in Tampa. It was not that the stadium did not feel like a team that was playing to to win the division. Fake fans. And I, and I hope that I hope that the Superdome energy is 
is there. And I think it will be. I have a feeling it will be. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But all right, that's it. Yeah, anything else, Steve? Happy New Year, Houdats. And yeah, let's get a win against Atlanta and we'll see how it all shakes out as the team says. We can only only control what we can control. So let's go Saints. Let's go Saints. Houdat! Easy, y'all.